0: Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Jay Covert, come on up here. This is a man of faith. And uh, Jay Covert. Bless you, my brother. I love you. Appreciate you.
1: Morning. I'm based out of East St. Louis. 20 years there. 24 years doing Air city ministry. Ten church plants in eight cities. We run everything debt free. We don't have any debt. We've done it since we started. And we always will. Because it's his ministry, not mine. He takes care of us. All the time. I want to talk to you this morning about having eyes to see and ears to hear. A lot of churches are deaf right now and blind. They're unaware of what's around them. I learned early on what it meant to, to see and hear. Night, April of 91, I was at the dope man's house. And I take a lot of drugs that night. And I was going in and out of consciousness. I felt like I was dying. The next day I was fine. That afternoon, a lady named Jane Howard, I don't know her. I don't know how she got my phone number. She called. And she said, are you Jay? I said, I am. She said, God woke me up last night in the middle of my sleep and had me intercede for you the entire night. I seen your face 12 times in the fire. You need to start running from God and get your life right. Do you know what that means? I said, I do. I almost died last night 12 times. And if I would have died, I would have went to hell. She said, you're correct. And it was two weeks later, I found myself in Teen Challenge, Cleveland, Ohio. If she would not have done that simple act of obedience, I would not be here today. She had ears to hear. And God wants us to have ears to hear. He wants us to have eyes to see what's around us, the the needs, the opportunities that are around us every day. Years ago, I was at a Noble Romans pizza. I was ordering my food, and I was waiting on it. and I'm just standing around looking around at people, and I see a man over in the corner. He's a young man, and and I hear the Holy Spirit say, you see that man over there? I said, I do. He said, he's going to take his life tonight. I want you to go tell him about me. Now, I was a little apprehensive because I was thinking, is this me or is this you, God? And You'll know when it's a Holy Ghost because your heart will keep pounding and you can't get away from it. If it's you, you'll just shrug it off. And I couldn't get away from it, so I went over there and I talked to him. And I just came right out with it and said that God spoke to me, said you're going to take your life tonight and that he has a plan and purpose for your life. Is that true? And he said, yes. He said, I have a shotgun in my truck. And after I finish dinner tonight, I'm going to take my life. And I end up leading him to the Lord right there. No Romans. And something happened to him. It was the glory of God. The glory of God hit him. There was an instant change. There was an instant deliverance in his life. And he said to me, would you follow me to my mom and dad's house? I want you to meet them. And so I followed him there, and we got there a few minutes early. And it was a Saturday night, and they just came home from a prayer meeting. And they felt like something bad was going to happen to their son. They couldn't pin it down. They didn't know what was happening. The church pressed in. The church got a hold of God. And I just happened to be at the right spot at the right time. And John Johnston is still serving God he's in ministry today the opportunities all around us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit is saying when the church reaches a place of brokenness for your city then and only then will God give you your city You'll never reach your city until you understand why it is broken. And when you understand why it's broken, then God will activate his spirit in you, and he'll give you the abilities to reach the city. Because when he opens his heart to you, he allows you to see and hear, then you have a burden for your city. The church must become about sending as well as giving. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about we're we're receiving all the time the blessings of God in the spiritual realm. we got to be giving what we're receiving. Outside the walls of the church today is a battlefield. And it is raging with people that are hopeless, they're destitute, they're they're addicted, they're afflicted, they are dying, they don't know which way to turn, and here we are, we have all the answers. Your response to your city will give you the reputation of either being a hospital or a country club. How you respond to the needs of your city will determine how your city perceives you as a church. How do we win the spiritual battlefield outside the walls of the house? Three points. Point number one, we're not to live in fear. When COVID happened, we still have people living in fear. God has called the church to operate and to walk by faith. Faith is the opposite of fear. If you're living in fear, you're living in an unbelief and doubt. But if you're living in faith, you're living in the favor of God. There's no other way that you can, you can make it, um, you know, click in. You have to walk by faith. When we started all these different ministries in all these cities, there was nothing there a lot of criticism, people saying, you can't do that, that's not how you do it. But you know what I learned early on? You better listen to what God says and not listen to the opinions of men because men most of the time don't know what they're talking about. They think they do, but you look where our country's at. I'm not gonna go, I'm just gonna say the two cans we have—that's the best we can do. You know what? That's what we're reaping because that's what our country's been, that's what our country has been sowing. Ser- we're at a pivotal point in our country, and it's the church's fault because we've not stood up and we've just kind of s- sit and lay down and took it. We tolerated. We celebrated now it's all been pushed down our throats. Now we don't know what to do. We're soldiers in the army of God. We have a decree. We have the power of God. We walk in the presence of God. We walk in the blood and authority of Jesus. There is no demon, there's no devil in hell that has authority over us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We we represent the kingdom of God. This life will pass away and everything in it. But we will live for eternity and we'll either be in heaven or we will be in hell. Jesus is coming soon. He's coming. And the church isn't ready for it. And, there's going, and when I talk about church, I'm talking about all the churches. There's going to be a lot of people left behind. Because we're... Over this consumption of grace. And we don't talk about sin because that offends people. Buddy, mm-hmm. there are people in hell today that wish somebody would have said something. We must take calculated risk by faith. Doesn't matter what people say, it matters what God says. And we must take risk on people because somebody took a risk on us. Years ago, now East St. Louis, it's a very violent city. When I got there 20 years ago, there were 31,000 people living there. Today, there's 17,000. From 2004 to 2018, we've had 454 murders. In the past 10 years, three men have been shot and killed right across the street from our church. Back in 13, I had a pastor visiting with me. I'm a block from our building. I could see our buildings. Everything changed in an instant. On my side of the van, 50, 50 feet, 20-some gunshots going off, and I realized I'm in the middle of a drive-by shooting. The driver and she were pulled out of the parking lot. They shot up three cars behind me. Six people were injured, but not one bullet hit my van. The last Assembly God Church in East St. Louis closed in 1983. They just they moved out. You know there used to be three, and they were the last to close. They moved out and they sold the building to a Jamaican pastor, and he was one of those uh, uh, I don't know. They don't wear they wear skirts and no makeup kind of guys. And so Shamika Black was a little girl when she was in that church, and uh, a guy introduced me to her and. 2006 when I married, she didn't wear makeup and she she wore skirts and I thought she's going to change pretty quick you can't go in these abandoned buildings and feed homeless people and rats run across the hallway there that's going to freak her out she'll she'll eventually change and she did change and uh, when I planted that church in 2006 I pastored it for four years and then I just passed the baton on to her and then it just dawned on her you know when I was a little girl I was in the church that closed. And then all these years later, now here I am pastoring the Assembly of God church that's back in the city. And she's been with me 18 years. I still have the original pastor that I planted in that church. And she kill, she's killing it. She's apostolic and prophetic. She moves in the power of God. It's a thriving church. Years ago... There was a seventeen year old young man that he was uh, sentenced to santa fe New mexico state penitentiary maximum security and that was unheard of back then seventeen year old in maximum security but he's a violent guy and uh, he got out him and his friends were in Juarez, mexico they had they they pushed through the the checkpoints they had a Uh, uh, run run running with the police they they got past that their car broke down on the interstate and when it broke down it broke down right next to a pontiac dealership this is 1985 and so 1985 he breaks into the dealership finds the keys to a brand new 85 pontiac firebird and drives it through the show glass window picks his friends up they blow through two more checkpoints, and then they have a shootout with the police. And the car was riddled with bullets. And he got 16 years in prison for that. And so they, they moved him from Santa Fe, New Mexico, to New York, to a prison there, because he was violent. And then they moved him to Camden, New Jer- or Camden, Missouri, to a prison. And he was in solitary confinement when somebody slipped a Bible underneath the door. And he began to read the Word of God, and he gave his life to Christ. Then he was baptized in the Holy Ghost out in the wreck yard, and then they released him. (laughs) Stuck him on a bus back to Las Cruces, New Mexico, and he found a little Assembly God church there, and that's where he plugged into it, and that's where he met his wife. And for five years, he would do street ministry in Juarez. And then one day, God said to Ramon Granadas, I have enough Ramones here. I need you to move up to East St. Louis because I want you to plant a church. Now, when he had moved there, that was, I'd been in prayer in July. He moved there in August. I met him 13 months later. And uh, I hired him on the spot. didn't know anything about him. I just saw I'd been praying. I'd been given two buildings, and God spoke to me and said, plant a Spanish-speaking church in the building. And I said, God, it doesn't make any sense. There ain't no Hispanics here. It's in the hood. I mean, I got ridiculed for that. You know, we got the building, had 10 people, and I shut it down and told them to go to the church in East St. Louis, and I let the building sit for a year. I had to let that thing die, 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 because it was already dead. You just need it die a little bit more. And so we launched him. You know, he's been with me now 16 years. You know, his church is a very apostolic, prophetic church. You know they have seven nations of the world that, that meet in that church uh, there? And they, they, they have people that show up and they, they, they get down in the Holy Ghost in such a way that people start manifesting demons. I mean, it's like all the time. And so now what's happened is he's gained a reputation. And now people show up through the week. And they bring people that need deliverance. And he prays over them, and God delivers them. We must take risk on people because somebody took a risk on us. The the risk I've been taking, they, they paid off pretty good. But I've been to a corner, didn't know what to do, and then God just sends me the people. For every church that is in existence, it's the pastor's job to build the church in such a way that he disciples you how to grow God's kingdom through outreach, evangelism, and missions. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the staff's job to grow the church. It's his job to disciple you, to reach the people that you're around and bring them to the church. We wonder why pastors are so overwhelmed and stressed out because we we put the weight of the ministry on their back when God's calling some of you to start doing ministry, to lift the burden, to lift the weight, to move it around. Faith will propel God's plan for your life while fear will cripple you from ever taking your first step that requires action on your part. If you're you're walking in fear, you will never get to where God wants you. You'll never do what he's called you to do. Because faith and fear are opposite. Every, Every step that you take requires action on your part. In order for you to walk in the favor of God, first you must walk by faith in God. You will never get the favor of God if you're not walking by faith. They go hand in hand. They are structured together. They're Siamese twins. They complement one another. When we launched Ramon's church, I heard the Lord say, "I want you to reach the Bosnians." I had no idea what He was talking about. And as a researcher, what I found out is St. Louis has the largest Bosnian population outside of Bosnia. There's 70,000 Bosnians, and 90 percent of them are Muslim, and nobody's reaching them. Do you know it took me nine months to press through and pray for a pastor? And I get a phone call one day from a guy named Andrew Austin from Janesville, Wisconsin. He said, I was giving your name and number and heard that you're looking for a pastor. I said, well, what's going on with you? And he said, my wife and I applied to be world missionaries of Bosnia, and we were turned down. So as we researched the Bosnian populations, we found out that St. Louis has the largest one. He said, there are 10 populations in the United States. Des Moines has one. And he's been up here and checked it out. And so he's, So I said, well, Andrew, congratulations. You are our church planner. And he said, wait a minute. You don't know me. How can you say that? I said, Andrew, don't overthink this. That's what we do. You know that God's told you to start minister. You know that God has spoken to you. He has confirmed it to you. And you still want to mess around with it and, Walk around in doubt. I said, Andrew, I didn't call you. You called me. I said, Andrew, either you're going to do it or you're not. And if you don't do it, God will find someone else. He said, I'll do it. I said, all right, we're going to do it. And that was it. There was no interview. I spent nine months praying. He called me. I have a direct line to heaven, you know. I get a hold of some when God, when, when God and I are talking, we're praying about this stuff, and he has people call me, I know. Oh, there's no doubt in me. And he's more backwards than I am. And so he gets the ministry going. Then he says, uh, we need to get a building. I said, Andrew, you have to understand that inner city ministry cannot sustain debt. He said, what do we do? I said, if God doesn't show up and show out, buddy, we're in trouble. He has to do it. Well, how's he going to do it? I said, I don't know. I know we've got three policies that, that we put place years ago. If it's God's will, it's his bill. If you send it, we'll spend it. If it's free, it's me. I mean, I've got seven buildings in East St. Louis and Washington Park have been bought for me and given to me. I mean, it just it works for us. And do you know that God spoke to a, a multi, two multi-billion dollar companies? One is a decor company that you give them a lot of your money. And the other's the ice cream company here in Iowa. He spoke to the CEOs of both those wives, and they both wrote checks out within a month, uh, $50,000 each, and we bought a building for $100,000 cash. It only happened once, but it's all we needed. After we launched him, the, there was a family that used to come and do outreach with us in East St. Louis. They would come to our Christmas outreaches and bring toys, and, man, they got bit by the bug. The inner city bug, so Bob's like, we feel called to plan an inner city church. I said, well, why don't you go to Gary and check out Gary? Because I, you know, I still have a heart for Gary, and we're going to do it at some point. He said, no, red light. I said, go to Louisville, check out Louisville. He said, no, red light. I said, all right, buddy, I'm going to go with you for three days, and let's go to Cleveland, Ohio. So I have a heart for East Side Buc- Buckeye neighborhood. And so we got there three days. He said, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I said, well, look, you got four kids. Buy a house out and drive in. He didn't do that. He bought a house in the worst neighborhood in Cleveland. And then what happened was it forced them to plant a church in their house. Could you imagine on Sundays and Thursdays having 40 to 60 people from the hood in your house? then they started an after-school tutoring program. Monday through Friday, they'd have over 20 kids in their house tutoring them. And you know what happened? The 1,600-square-foot house next door came up for sale, and the bank sold them that house for $500. But did they know they were going to plant a house church? No. God will never tell you what you're created to do all at once. Because if you knew everything that he wanted you to do, it would overwhelm you so much you wouldn't want to do anything. And so he feeds it to us in bits and pieces. And so... The bank called Bob up and said, hey, listen, we have this old abandoned tavern with a large building and a, a two-bedroom apartment attached to so it. We want to sell you the building. Bob said, well, how much do you want for it? They said, we'll let you have it for $500. So he didn't even pray about it. He just bought it. Because they, they, they were ready to get out of house church. It couldn't grow anymore. And so they, they bought the building, and six months went by, and the bank called Bob up and said, we need to see you, you need to come see us, and we need to talk to you. And so Bob goes to the bank, and the banker says to him, look, we see everything you're doing in the community. And so we want to reissue you a check for $500 just to give you the building. You understand, banks take our money, not give us money. But that, are, that is the principles for God's kingdom. If we'll step out in faith and we'll operate in the, in, in the seeing and hearing part of it, then God will launch us to do great things. We have a ministry in Covington, Kentucky. It's called the Lord's Gym. It's a boxing gym. And I don't have the current numbers for 23, but I can tell you in 22, they serve 20,000 meals. They help 4,000 people get employment, and they serve as 7,200 nights for the homeless shelters. And in the cross-pollination of that ministry, we started a ministry in Phoenix, Arizona, three several years ago, about six years ago. And there's a guy named Zippy Dirks that was in Covington, Kentucky that... Plugged in there and then he transitioned out to Phoenix to work with the guy that had out there. Now, Zippy was eight years old when the police showed up at his house and arrested his mom for murder. So I'll tell you what kind of life Zippy lived. He did get into minor league football, trying to break into the NFL. It didn't work for him. Then he got cancer and they said, You'll never have kids again. Do you know he's got five? He got married and has five kids now. And so when the guy that was in Phoenix pulled out, all I know is I got a guy named Zippy that's supposed to take this over, and I don't even know who is Zippy Dirks. I said, Zippy, your name sounds like you like you're a lead singer of a country band. Zippy Dirks and the good old boys. And so I, I, I mean, what am I gonna do? I got this guy, we already have a ministry that. It's already it's been there. It needs to keep moving. It needs to keep going. So I just took a chance and began to disciple him and pour into him. And already this year, 259 people have been pulled off the streets and put into faith-based programs like Teen Challenge and Victory Outreach. Women with their children that were homeless sleeping in their cars have been put in emergency housing. Last year, 1,056 people were taken off the streets and put into the programs. In 2022, when he started, 575 people. In the past two and a half years, he has pulled 1,900 people off the streets. There's a homeless population in Phoenix of about 30,000. In his short time of two and a half years being there, he already has three ministry points going. They have a campus in Central Phoenix, South Phoenix, East Phoenix, and the discipleship gym. One service is bilingual, They've, they're doing celebration recovery. Every month, they get three 53-foot trailers of food and items. Last year, that amounted to $10 million worth of stuff that they are feeding into the Phoenix area. Every Thursday night, they have eight outreach teams. They're going out throughout. If you've ever been to Phoenix, you'll know what I'm talking about with the homelessness. It is everywhere. They have eight teams going out every Thursday night. They're reaching 5,000 people a month. They have so much stuff that now they're blessing 22 Indian reservations with that stuff that's coming off those trucks. Boy, I learned a big lesson there with Zippy. Don't get caught up in what people look like. Don't get caught up with not learning who they are the church misses out on so much because we're so consumed with what people look like and we never give the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to reveal their heart to us. And because of that, we lose out so many times with people that God's called to do ministry. My favorite scripture is Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I have the gift of faith. I wear that thing out every day and God replaces it new every day. We must be moved. We, it, we must move by faith in his spirit to be empowered by the gifts of Holy Ghost. If we're Pentecostal, then we are apostolic and prophetic in spirit and in truth. Take a risk on somebody because somebody took a risk on you. It's not my job, it's not your job to clean anybody up. That's the Holy Ghost's job. It's just my job, it's just your job to love people where they're at. I say it all the time. Love Jesus in people and love the hell out of them because yeah. people live hellish lives. One more story. We started Urban Outreach in Indianapolis. Chris Padge, I'd known him for 10 years. And 10 years ago, I told him, I said, you're going to one day work with me. You know, and he, some of my guys, they, they've been in prison. But that, God doesn't look at that. God doesn't get hung up on the past. He looks at the future of what they can achieve and be. And 10 years, you know, he's like, I'm ready to do this. And so I said, well, let's go to Indianapolis. And so we we, we did a lot of missions there looking at it. And what we gathered was there's about 11 homeless camps throughout the city. And we've seen a lot of people feeding people. We've seen a lot of people clothing people and Chris and I were batting around ideas how can we be effective in reaching the homeless and so we came up with this crazy idea northern Indiana is where they build all the RVs and so we said what if we could get one of those companies to build us a custom-made trailer that has a men's and a women's shower unit in it, it is it has water system on it We can go anywhere. He had that thing in Louisville last weekend doing stuff. And so we found a company, and he said, we can build that for you, but it's $32,000, and we need 10%. And so I wrote the check out for 10% and sent it to him, and Chris says, well, where's the rest of the money coming from? I said, I don't know. It's kind of ironic that God tells me I have to give him 10%, and that company's telling me to give them 10%. I think God should just pay for it. Well, that, that ice cream company here in Iowa, the, the, the wife, um, sent me a text and said, we're praying about buying that for you. And so I told Chris, I said, dude, you got it. He's like, really? I said, yeah, I got a text from this lady. People just don't text you and tell you what we're thinking about and don't do it. She's going to do it. Seven days later, she did it. She wrote the check and paid for it, <laughs> bought it for us. And they've been using it. Matter of fact, they just had another trailer. He raised the money in one day to build a trailer with washer and dryers on it. So while they're feeding people and they've had a shower and they're washing their clothes, we take for granted the little things. The homeless people, the number one thing, they want socks. And so I think of this story when they were, giving people showers there's a homeless family there's a wife and a husband or two kids and they were living in their car and they'd been living in their car for a month and she had new clothes and she didn't want to wear them she told her husband I can't wear them because we haven't had showers and I don't want to you know make my new clothes stink and then they came across the shower the trailer in the parking lot and she got a shower and she came out and she's just bawling. And Chris said, what, What's the matter? she said, I've been waiting for a month to just put these clothes on to feel normal again. That's, that's what we're doing in the cities. We're reaching the marginalized, we're reaching the throwaways, the people no one wants, nobody knows what to do with. Urban outreach is reaching them, we're planting churches. And so I, w- I want to say to this morning, thank you for allowing me to come and speak to your hearts. And thank you, Pastor Dave, for your friendship.
0: I want to do two things here this morning. Now you know why I love this guy. I want to do two things. I want to give you an opportunity to give to his ministry. Uh, as you heard him say, you know, they, they can't afford to carry debt. They've got to pay as they go because the people that are coming to them for help, they don't, they don't have a tithe. Uh, I don't know about you, but that story about that woman crying, just breaking down because she had a, had a bath, she had a shower. Uh, there's, there's something about losing your dignity when you're filthy, when you're dirty, that you become either invisible or you feel like you disgust people. That becomes your identity. I've, I've been there. And uh, those things are crucial for us to serve people in those ways. So I want to give you an opportunity to pour into his ministry. This is good soil. And so, guys, if you could put the, uh, the QR code up there. If you want to write a check, if you want to give cash, make sure you put it in an envelope and put it in that back Uh, that back box so that we know because we want to make sure everything that comes in for Jay goes to his ministry. We want to make sure it gets to him. But I want to encourage you to give something. You know, we take for granted the the little things, the luxuries that we have. But there are people out there that don't have it. And uh, they're reaching them. They're making an impact in the inner city. And, uh, you know, they have 10 churches. I I, I believe that God's going to grace him to plant many more churches and uh, that his best years are to come. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that very quickly if you want to scratch out something for his ministry. The other thing I want to do is I want to have Jay. Adam, why don't you come on up here, Pastor Adam. And uh, I want to have Jay pray over us, and uh, I want him to release something over the congregation. And uh, Matt and Jess Peeler, it's Jess, right? Matt and Jess, I want you guys to come on up here with your team. Uh, They've got a, a group that uh, they feel they're, they're called to pioneer a church, going to plant a church. And uh, Jay, I want you to lay hands on them. I, I believe there's an impartation for them. And uh, there's others of you, man, God has stirred your heart to do some things. It might be plant a church. It might be that you feel called to sell it all and go to the mission field. It might be that you're, call, you're feeling called to be trained short term. I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to venture to try to figure out God's will for all of us but as we heard this week, uh, when those of you that were here, when, when uh, the message on Esther stepping over that line, uh, I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning. And if you feel the Lord calling you to make a big step in your life, to make a big change, I want you to stand. And Jay, if you would just release a blessing, you pray whatever, whatever God puts on your heart and if you'd lay hands on this group.
1: Mm-hmm. Lord, we just thank you for this day. And uh, you you want to give increase to this church and there's a church playing mechanism that, that you've been laying on people's hearts and the pastor here for several months now. And so that time is coming where the fruition of that is getting ready to be planted. And so we just pray that that you would continue to raise up church planters and as the people that are here that are sent out to go, that you would send more people in. And we pray that the finances and everything that needs to be done, the buildings and the cities, everything that is your heart and your will and your purpose for this church would be done in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com slash give.